marketing. I think we've got to sprinkle in mm. other pieces of content, but I want big ideas. I want stuff that can go viral and I want to optimize for it. I think if mm. we play it safe, if we do kind of boring, maybe uninteresting content, then I mm -hmm. don't really think we're going to get much out of it. But if we take big swings, if we do fun giveaways, if we make the mm. brand something that people want to wear in their shirts, now mm. we've got something that's really, really special and that pays for itself a hundred times over. Welcome to the Undefeated Underdogs podcast, where I unpack and narrate stories of ambitious people who turn obstacles into opportunities. My goal for this podcast is to create a platform to narrate underdog stories and maybe play a small, teeny tiny role in inspiring you. I intend to highlight the underdog mentality and make authentic conversations with people who play the long game, take action with the chip on their shoulder, and convert obstacles into opportunities. Buckle up, as I'll be bringing some authentic founders, VCs, community builders, and content creators who got underestimated their whole lives and yet they beat all the odds to become insanely successful. Now, today I want to tell you a little bit about our awesome sponsor, Acquire.com. Selling a business is as tough as building a business. As someone who went through this process once, selling my own startup, I know the pain it takes to get to the end zone. This is where our sponsor shines. Imagine this, you're a founder who's built a solid SaaS product acquired customers and generating consistent monthly revenue. The problem is you're not growing for, for whatever reason, lack of focus, lack of skill, or just plain lack of interest and you feel stuck. What should you do? The story I'd like to hear is you buckle down, somehow reignited the fire, get past yourself and the cliches and start working on your business rather than just in the business. You start building an audience, move out of your comfort zone to do sales and marketing, and in six months, you triple your revenue. The reality isn't as simple. Situations may be different from every founder facing these crossroads, but too many times, the story ends up being one of inaction and stagnation until the, become business, the business becomes less valuable or worse, worthless. If you find yourself here or your story is likely headed down a similar road, I offer you a third option. Consider selling your business on Acquire.com. Capitalizing on the value of your time is a smart move. Acquire.com is free to list and they've helped hundreds of founders already. Go to try.acquire.com and see for yourself if this is the right option for you. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the uh, yet another episode of the Undefeated Underdogs podcast. I should I should slow down a little bit. I've been doing this for a while. I don't know why I got nervous because I have a I have an amazing guest with me who I actually look up to uh, for multiple things. I feel for if you you can you can start looking him as a, as an expert in social media content marketing. But I feel to me uh, this guest is really really. Uh, I resonate with him on a meta level, the way he thinks and the way he actually like, you know, really like be authentic on social media, which is something I really admire about. But without further ado, Matthew Kobach, welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? Thank you for having me on the show. And I feel like a million bucks. I feel great. It's sunny outside. Uh, I'm selling pizza these days. I know. Uh, I got a kid. I got another one on the way. So everything's everything's feeling really good these days. Awesome. Yeah. So so glad to hear that. Yes, definitely. We we definitely want I want to cover about the pizza part. But for folks who don't know about Matthew Kobach, which is very rare, let me guys give you an intro. Uh, Matthew is currently working as a VP of marketing at Slice. Uh, he previously led content at New York Stock Exchange. He he led marketing efforts at Fast, uh, and he did like a bunch of. He has he owns a, a social media firm for himself, like a marketing firm, and he's a master of uh, marketing and digital advertising. His tweets are spot on always. And he's very successful in terms of building a strategy and executing it with the with the team. Uh, he's a re results driven marketer, and and I love I love most of your uh, all of your tweets about like marketing, how people should think modernly, and in this day of age. Uh, but yeah, 
we let's dive into the you know in the world of Matthew Kobach how he thinks how he like kind of like strategizes the whole thing in terms of social media and whatever right off the bat how are you enjoying slice what's 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 with up uh, how are you feeling about selling pizzas and what not <laughs> like i said i love it um i it's always exciting to be able to sell something that you really really like and i joke mm. that i sell pizza i don't really sell pizza you know i sell the technology <laughs> that powers uh pizzerias to really get the most value out of their customers but it's very you know it's pizza adjacent it's a fun category you can have a, a really good time with doing content mm. with creating ads uh so right. i love it uh, i'm a big fan of the founding team i um you know i met with uh, them a bunch i met with the executive team i really mm. appreciate the way that they're thinking about building this business i really right. agree with what their strategy is for the next you know call it Three years, um, and I think this is a company that's really poised for success. And I wanted to join a company where I believed uh, that the strategy they had was the right strategy, and that if I was added, uh, you know, as a mm-hmm. um, you know key person, that I could help make that um, oh. vision a reality. Of course, you're you're. I think you're you're going to be like their strongest weapon, in my opinion, because for two reasons. One is, generally speaking, for some reason social media among food chains food industry is ridiculously well done like they have the jazz they have the sass they have they're always on top of all trends they're quick like take dominos like pizza hut their accounts are followed by millions of people and mm-hmm. usually b2b businesses b2c you know startups they take lessons from how to run social media from them i personally learned a ton how to buy, like you know how to get into people's mind in a very creative way and yeah. two you're extremely creative so it's it's like it's match made in heaven and i can't like you know wait to see what you go you do in the future for slice uh right off the bat another another thing let's go back let's go back to your early days let's go back to 2007 where you actually uh started like educating people about social media when it's still kind of like you know taking taking the space yeah what are some things you did in the early days that you find very interesting that you're still using in 2023 yeah, we're, we're going way back if we're going to 2007 that's yeah. uh yeah that's when i started i'll get for a little context for um you know people who don't know my history uh i thought i was going to be an academic i thought i was going to be a professor and mm-hmm. in 2007 maybe it was 2000 i, I don't i don't even remember the years i'll actually trust you that you got the years right and i don't yeah yeah i have um, it yeah yeah you have it the uh i was starting a phd program and the way phd programs work is that you pick an area to be an expert in and then mm-hmm. like that's your career that's what you do and mm-hmm. i was doing this mix of marketing and psychology and really the way that media impacts and affects people and mm-hmm. social media had just started booming and it was very clear that this was going to be a thing that wasn't going anywhere so right. i decided i wanted to be like that was my thing i was going to be the social media expert right. and the content expert so i started studying that and mm. uh through that i learned um that a phd program is very very slow and a new emerging technology like social media is very very fast right so uh I, while i was studying it i kind of started looking at like how these videos and how people were representing themselves and how brands were rep- representing themselves at the time online mm. uh was impacting people. And mm. so from the early days um man I'm even trying to remember the the ways that I got started I remember I was just looking at all this like branded social media mm. and I remember thinking like this is horrible like this is this like <laughs> it originally was just you know like print media that people right. were putting on Facebook they didn't just didn't know any better so it was kind of like uh a flyer that you would get handed or that you would see on a telephone pole and was posted mm-hmm. on social media and i my very like the the way that i was writing my uh dissertation at the time was that businesses on social media needed to act a lot more like people that there was there's this like sense of people like interacting with people and that is you know i'm finally getting to answer your question that's what's kind of like been the common theme of content and social media that I've created uh, ever since then because I've got this opinion that you want to put a face on camera 
Like I think that really helps. Or in the case of some of the fast food companies you referenced, uh, they're really personifying their brands. They're having the brands act like a person. And there's uh, a sense that people want to interact with someone where it feels like it's a person. They don't want to interact with something that feels like a brand. And so that's why wherever I went, uh, whenever I was creating content, doing social media, it was important to have, you know, maybe that was the CEO. Maybe that was the founder. Maybe it was me. Maybe it was a host. Right. But I always liked having a person that could kind of represent the brand. So I think it's right. just more interesting to look at, more interesting to watch. And right. I think people kind of tune out brands otherwise. Right. And I, I think back then it is, like you said, you saw the obvious gap brands are acting as corporations not people uh and we can we can talk about ours like why they did that which is unnecessary and irrelevant but in this day and age 2023 i always refer to this example like go if you, if you observe apple's design right like in 2007 or 2001 the early days of when they actually revolutionized uh the manufacturing itself nobody else was doing it and now everybody's packaging is like apple style everybody products design is apple style everybody's website is apple style like you know that's yep. the standard people are aiming for so in this age of uh, social media going back to the question what do you think about how do you how do you differentiate people who are already representing themselves as people like brands representing themselves as people like what is the differentiation factor uh one thing i observe is being very funny sassy like on top of like trends and make it really really relevant and i would love to look, know your observations given in this age yeah I don't think there's a one size fits all answer of like what needs to be different. Cause the thing is, is what's different for one brand might be completely redundant for another brand. Um, like you said, you're talking about, you know, the personification of a lot of like quick service restaurants and fast food restaurants. Um, if a B2B SaaS company was to do something like that, it would stand out because it's so different because you, you get compared right. against your competitors, not against like the best in class. Right. So What's interesting to me is when I think about content, I think about what gets the most views and that's how I'm approaching it. I'm, I'm viewing organic social media, at least right now for Slice, as mm. awareness. Mm. I literally only care that more people saw our videos this month than they did the month before or saw our posts mm. more this month than the month before. Uh, mm. And I want the content to be pizza food adjacent or you know right. that be the star of it. But I don't need something explaining what Slice does. I don't need some, someone saying download the app. I don't need someone saying order it. I don't need someone saying to businesses, hey, make sure that you partner with Slice. Right. Uh, that to me gets really uninteresting. That to me is boring. Uh, mm. But then what do you actually do then? Okay, so you've removed some of these barriers of like making boring content. Mm. Uh, we recently put out a job opening for what we called a pizza influencer. Now that mm. was very deliberate so because we thought right. we'd get some pr and press coverage which we did and so happy right. about that uh, right. but really what this is is a content creator and so mm. i am looking at this almost like a media company or like mm. a mr beast kind of like ask right. approach i want someone who's got really really big ideas mm -hmm. that can make videos that people are going to dm their friends like that to me is the is the sign of a good video. That's what I went through this job interview process. That's what I told them the job was. That's what I want mm. them to optimize for. And so to me, the content I'm making, the way that I want to differentiate is like, what are the crazy big ideas that people have never seen that are going to make people want to watch it and then share it with their friends? And mm. to me, it is a little bit of this like Mr. Beast style of content that I think you can kind of, you know, start with an interesting idea. And then you're always trying to figure out how to top yourself. And as mm. long as you're getting more views, you kind of have the budget to talk yourself and do more interesting things. Mm. Uh, one of the videos I really liked, we had, we had, sorry to rewind, the uh, pizza influencer, they had to submit a video to apply. Mm. And one of the videos I really, really liked, and we're going to work with this guy, um, he ordered like, it was like a, it's like an 11 foot pizza or something. It was like super, super long. And he okay. like had this crazy idea that he wanted to like deliver it across New York City. It was like he had to go from, I forget the, you know, financial district to the Upper West Side or something. 
Right. And he had to like talk, talk people into helping him carry it. And he got into a taxi and it mm-hmm. made this like really compelling, really felt very New York-y because he had all these people on the street that were like talking to him mm-hmm. and interested in helping and stuff. Um, and it was uh, this video that he then shared on his own. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't share it. That ended up getting millions of views because it was such this like clever concept that was well executed and sounded crazy. I think the premise right. was like the hook was I'll pay you $500 to deliver this crazy size pizza, um, oh. you know. Uh, uh, to the Upper West Side or something. Uh, And that's the kind of stuff that I think is going to be interesting. I think we've got to sprinkle in Mm. other pieces of content, but I want big ideas. I want stuff that can go viral and I want to optimize for it. I think if Mm. we play it safe, if we do kind of boring, maybe uninteresting content, then I Mm -hmm. don't really think we're going to get much out of it. But if we take big swings if we do fun giveaways, if we make the mm. brand something that people want to wear in their shirts, now mm. we've got something that's really, really special and that pays for itself a hundred times over. Right. I like. I really like that. A uh, couple of more follow-ups from that answer. One is you explicitly said asking for people to sign up or direct asks are always boring, which I completely agree. Uh, how do you... It, it's kind of also... Uh, I wouldn't say risk, but, you know, not mentioning about the CTA, which everybody's kind of like, you know, craves about, especially in marketing. Yeah. How much of a, a, a risk is that? Like when you create content and not have like a specific CTA, which is kind of the whole point, get more attention towards uh, your business and actually like convert them and whatnot. I'm talking about more results. Uh, yeah. So w- w- what do you what do you think about that? I think that is a separate job function. Uh, I've, I have two job openings, and one is this pizza influencer where I've mm. said, your job is awareness. Because right mm. now, if you go uh, outside in New York and ask 10 people if they've heard a slice, I assume eight or nine are going to say, yeah, of course I've heard a slice. Mm-hmm. If I go to LA and do the same thing, I'm not going to get the same response. We just don't have the same penetration. So mm-hmm. before I can even put an ad in front of someone and say, hey, download this app you've never heard of or order from this platform you've never heard of, I need mm-hmm. to at least get them familiar with us. So mm-hmm. that's what I want this social media content to do. I want this stuff to have a wide audience. I want it to reach millions of people because mm-hmm. then when I have this other role whose job is orders, is mm-hmm. app downloads, is getting someone who orders five times a, a year to order 10 times a year, that right. they're already like familiar with us. They're already seeing us in other ways. Um, I think it's a really difficult ask to get someone who's not familiar with you to engage Mm. with you. So I look at the social media as like, this person is warming you up or this role is warming you up, content is warming you up. And then we're going to have other content or other touch points to then close the deal. It's like a full funnel approach, which by the way, even when like it doesn't end there. Even if I get you to download the app, there's still marketing that needs to be done. Right, it's a right. life cycle approach that, you know, you have to hit certain benchmarks within certain days for the LTV of that customer to be paid back, depending yeah. on what it, what your cost of acquisition is. Right. Talk to me about the next phase, which is, mm-hmm. so one thing I particularly observe, and even I make mistakes, is that I basically club both. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to create a viral content piece and not knowingly unconsciously i put a cta which actually kind of destroys the awareness piece and the the fun element or the viral element and it feels like hey my, i'm asking for something so i think we've we we will we'll talk about the viral you know how to create viral content and all that the elements that you think is necessary as an ingredient pun intended especially pizza uh, but this on the other side talk to me about the traditional like loop closing deal closing the touch points you mentioned, no. how do we uh, make sure that this function uh, works really efficiently? So uh, it's not easy. Um, I can tell you <laughs> the way that we're thinking about it is we're, and this is this is for the CTA. This is for like increasing orders. This is very tangible. Mm-hmm. When we think about this role or like the, or I shouldn't say this role, but like these campaigns, mm-hmm. we're thinking very data driven. So mm-hmm. we want to understand what is the type of user that we want to attract? So mm. the a good example is a someone who is, you know, a grandpa in LA mm. who mm. doesn't have a history of, you know, using online ordering mm. is not built the same as someone mm. who is 19 at 
Ohio State University in Columbus for the first time ordering food on their own, who, right. um, you know, probably has new habits that they're, they haven't yet developed in terms of like ordering mm -hmm. food. So right. step one is figuring out like who is actually the market that we want to advertise mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. and digital, it's a little easier to get in front of that market. That's obviously why Google and, you know, Facebook have the monopolies on advertising that they do. Right. Uh, but there's other interesting ways that you can get in front of those uh, audiences. Uh, but then when you have that, then even within those demographics, those people aren't created the same. So you've got mm -hmm. someone who, if you give a $5 off deal, they're just going to take it. They're, they are deal chasers, they're discount chasers, and they'll use it once and then they'll drop off and you'll never hear from them again. Mm -hmm. And then there's people who need a deal to like kind of coax them a little bit to like, all right, I, I could be like, this is something I could use, but I'm going to need, you know, the right kind of hook to start using it. Um, and so you've got to figure out, like, how do you target just those people as opposed to mm -hmm. someone who's just going to use it once and then never again. And then mm -hmm. with us, since we're a marketplace, it complicates it even more because if you go, I'll use Etsy as an example. If, I, right. if me and you were convinced to go on Etsy and we go there and there's nothing on there that we want to buy, mm -hmm. that's worthless. Like Etsy's wasted money getting us. So they better make sure that there's something we want to buy on there and they better make sure that we see it really quickly and really easily. Correct. It's not all that different from Slice. If you are opening up the app and you're looking to order something, I better have your favorite shop on there. Mm. So a lot of then what I'm doing is going and looking in different geographical locations and saying, do we have enough penetration on the shop side to do mm. meaningful consumer marketing? And if we do have enough penetration in a shop, what, do, what, is that, what does penetration look like? Is penetration mm. 30%, 50%, 80%? Is it mm. based on the like best shops in that area. Cause maybe 20% penetration is great. If I've got the top 10 shops and that's all mostly that area um, eats from, and maybe mm -hmm. there's another place where I've got 60% penetration and normally that's really good, but I don't have any of the top shops. Mm -hmm. So these are all like the different things that we've got to consider. And we've got to look at the data, which we do have before we go do anything meaningful uh, in terms mm -hmm. of direct response ads where I've got a CTA where it's download, it's order more or whatever it might be. Mm, I love that. I think it's it's very uh, analytical. It's it's always numbers that actually decide uh, and helps you make decisions. I love that. Now talk about like your... I would, just to, I, I thought of a metaphor that I like. It, the data tells me where to fish. The data goes, mm. you know what? You're in the lake and this part of the lake has a lot of the fish that you're looking. But what data doesn't tell me is what bait I need to put on the hook. And so like, that's why you have to that. have both of these, like the bait on the hook is the creativity is the like, all right, I know there's all these fish here, but if I've got really, really shitty bait, they're not mm. going to bite anyways. I'm not going to attract them. It doesn't matter. And then conversely, mm. if I have a really, really good bait, but I'm going to the part of the lake that doesn't have any of the fish I want, I'm not going to get any fish either. So like both of these are key components to the like mm. marketing stack. And so, yes, you have to be analytical, but yes, you also have to be creative. I love that. And now talked about, I love the analogy, by the way, it's, the metaphor is so spot on. Uh, we'll definitely use this clip uh, <laughs> for marketing this episode, but talk to me about the, the virality piece, content going viral. Uh, mostly out of the box thinking, doing something that really shocks people, right? That, that's the trend we're seeing on TikTok or Reels or you know, the, the vertical content type, short attention span doing something ridiculously out of the box works. So what is your take? What, what is something that you're applying at Slice and this pizza influencer, mm. what are your guidance to him or what is the direction you're giving to them? Yeah, so I'll be honest. I hired this person to figure that stuff out. Uh, I don't have all the answers. Uh, the mm. way that I'm approaching it is I think we need different content pillars or like content series for lack of a better term. Um, right. We need to come up with three ideas and then we mm. need to go. And, and what I want is I want ideas that are replicatable. So I think there's, mm. we've got space for like one-off big ideas. And then we've mm. got space for essentially content series where we could do it once, uh, film it, like film it once then film it again, kind of change a few things. Like a good example would be your, you know, you have a game show on the street and you just mm. ask like, trivia questions or something. Mm. You go film a dozen of those. Um, and mm. so what I want is I want someone who's going to come up with a dozen ideas. And mm. I'm going to work with this person and say, all right, let's narrow it down to these three. Let's go film 
three or four of these three and let's just put it out there i mm. i don't have any preconceived notions about what's going to work what's going to get people to send this to their friends i'm not mm. necessarily trying to shock people i'm trying to grab their attention and keep it for 30 seconds 60 seconds two minutes whatever the length of the video is um, and to me, that's all based on ideas. Like how many good ideas do you have? And then can you execute on those ideas? And then the audience tells us. So if I've got three ideas and one of them's really, really good, one of them doesn't take off and one of them's kind of in the middle. Cool. We cut the one that isn't working at all. We retooled the one in the middle and we double down on the one that really, really worked. I think one thing that a lot of companies, uh, do incorrectly is they'll have an idea and it works really well. And then they go, what's the next idea? Instead of mm. going, hey, I've got this idea, it worked really well. Let me do this until mm. it is so boring and no one wants to watch anymore. It's like mm. you're digging for gold, you strike gold, and then you stop digging because you're like, I got enough gold. And it's like, no, no, there is so much more gold there to mine. Like, why would you go somewhere else and dig right. for gold? Like, what you're looking for is right here. So do mm. not stop until you have mined all of the gold out of that idea. And then you just mm. rinse, repeat. You do this over and over and over and over and over again. And maybe you do it with freelancers. Maybe you do mm. it with like, you know, you, you need different faces. You can also assume too, a pizza influencer. I'm, I live in Atlanta. We're both in Atlanta. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. A pizza influencer in Atlanta is probably going to look and sound a little different than a pizza influencer in LA, than right. a pizza influencer in Denver, than a pizza influencer in New York. So you got to figure out like, how do you speak to like kind of those areas? I'm going to make content mm. that might resonate a little strong, more strongly with uh, mm. a different style. Yeah, I, I think I, I kind of want to add on that what you said. Geography is such an important piece, especially when you create content uh, that is relevant, right? So, for example, I think if we, if you hire someone in Atlanta, probably they should have, they should have like a Georgia Bulldogs hat all the time, right? Yeah. That actually resonates, and probably they should do some sort of, like you said, delivery to Georgia Tech. No, yeah, and they should honestly, ha they should have an intimate knowledge of uh, like Georgia culture and Georgia, like Georgia food culture. Like they should know the shops. They right. should probably have like, ideally they would know a shop owner. They would, could do like really mm. interesting things. They could find like the maybe less known spots. They could go to the really, really popular spots. But mm. if, if, you know, I, and I could do that myself in Atlanta right now to some degree, but if you right. sent me to Denver, I wouldn't mm. know where to start. And like, that's what would happen is if you just have one person who's doing right. all this content for the whole United States, like you, you can, you really can only, you max out at a city specific knowledge. Right. right. And when do you, uh, when you inspire these folks who mm -hmm. are creating or figuring out the content in your words, mm -hmm. uh, do you suggest them to steal ideas from? Oh, for sure. 100%. <laughs> I, I am a ruthless idea stealer. I, I am one of the people who is of the belief that like everything under the sun has already been done. Mm. Um, and whenever you like, it's funny, I, I want people to steal ideas, but we need to make them our own. I think a really mm. good example is uh, Dave Portnoy. So mm. he does the like one bite pizza review. I mm -hmm. saw a lot of videos that were just a mm. rip off of the one bite pizza review. And it's like, okay. If you're going to steal an idea, you got to make it your own and you can't make it so obvious that you stole mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm, you know, like mm -hmm. what I want is um, someone, if you're going to steal an idea, I would like this person to go, all right, Portnoy has the one bite pizza thing. We're never going to be as big. It's always going to be a cheap knockoff. Sure. But maybe what we could do is like one, I don't even think you could do one bite. You could do like, what's the best thing on your menu that isn't pizza? And you go to all these pizzeria shops and you do something like that and mm. you give it a rating or whatever it is that you do. But that to me is more interesting. It's so it's like take an idea, remix it to make it your own, and then it somehow becomes this unique thing that just mm. belongs to you, as opposed mm. to like a really bad impression of someone else. So mm. yes, steal, <laughs> but like steal as inspiration. Steal as right. to like give yourself a starting point to make something that does feel unique. And uh I love that. Of course, I think, you know, again, quoting Steve, Steve Jobs. Uh, you know, great artists steal, right? Like good artists copy. So I think we don't we don't want to be a knockoffs, especially in this age. Everybody, everything is pretty transparent, right? Everything you do, there is a there is a relevance point. Uh, I love that. I I knew the answer, but I just want to ask: <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. What fuels Matthew's creativity? 
you know, honestly, I feel like it's not knowing any better. Like, I, hmm. I, I feel like I never got the lessons that marketing needs to be this way, or it needs to look this way, or it needs to sound this way. Like hmm. all I've, um, all I've ever done with marketing is try to put myself in the shoes of the consumer and say, what would I want to watch? What would get my attention? And I, I think kind of the early examples I can think of is back when I started at the New York Stock Exchange, mm -hmm. I inherited the social media and the content um, when I joined. Mm -hmm. I think whoever had it, they left or something, or mm -hmm. uh, so they probably fired. But uh, <laughs> I, I got it, and I remember my boss was like, all right, whatever you want to post. And I looked at like the old stuff that they posted. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is really boring. And mm -hmm. like, and and so I didn't really like know what to do at first. And then I went within like maybe the first month, I ended up going because I sorry, the New York Stock Exchange is owned by a company based in Atlanta. So I mm -hmm. was based in Atlanta. And right. when I went onto the floor for the first time, like maybe a month later, I saw the energy, I saw the CEOs, I saw all the traders, I saw right. the like, uh, media outlets and the journalists and stuff, they all shoot from the floor. And I was like, this is really exciting. This is right. really cool. Yeah. Like, why are moment, we not? Yeah. What's that? This is a big moment for yeah. a lot of CEOs. Yeah. big moment and like this is what's interesting like this is what right. people want to see right. and so i remember i kind of just said to my boss like why don't we film any videos here why don't we do like a lot more stuff why don't mm. i just take my phone and mm. uh, like to my boss's credit she was always like yeah just whatever you want to do like this is yours figure it out mm. and so to me i was like all right what would i want to see here and it's like to me Shaq just came in and so and, wow. and like about it's like i want to see Shaq, and i'm using Shaq right. as an example i don't know yeah, yeah. He, I, he's come in but i don't know if that was that early but I remember thinking is like, I'd want to see Shaq. And so it like started as me taking a video of like Shaq walking by and doing whatever he had to do. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, that got kind of boring. I was like, you can kind of yeah. see pictures of Shaq wherever. I was like, let me actually see if I can like give him my phone and yeah. have him shoot like a quick video and be like, hey, I'm Shaq. I'm at the floor. I'm really excited. And so we started doing that with all the celebrities and CEOs and stuff. And like, that was kind of cool. It was a unique perspective. You never really got to see that. And then to right. me, that got kind of boring. Then it was like, well, now they're just like saying they're excited to be here. How many videos can I post to someone saying they're excited to be here? Right. And then it turned into, well, why don't I interview them? Why don't I mm. ask them questions that they're not going to get asked on CNBC or Fox mm. Business? Let me kind of like have a little more fun with this, especially with the CEOs. Like the CEOs are really buttoned up. The CEOs mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. like, they've got their talking points that they stick to. <laughs> they're not expected to get, you know, crazy right. questions like what's the last TV show you binged or something like that. <laughs> Right. And so that's what I started doing. I like, I mm -hmm. went and, um, uh, grabbed my phone. I'd have to like, normally I'd have to usually negotiate with a PR person that like, Hey, I'm not, you know, here the questions going to ask. I just want to grab them. It looks, it looked really authentic. Cause it was like, you know, me right. and a phone kind of like this. And so yep. it didn't look like they were, you know, they didn't have the perfect shot and the microphone wasn't perfect, but like that really ended up uh, making it feel like this is not someone who's just reading polished, prepared answers. It's someone who's actually giving honest uh, mm. responses to what I'm asking. And right. it really worked. It worked well. And we, and we did similar stuff. We did like market updates in the middle of the day from the floor, just walking around. And that mm. was the stuff that really resonated. And it was just the stuff that I would have wanted to see if I was following the New York Stock Exchange. Mm. So like that's, <laughs> like that's right get my creativity it's I, like i feel like it sounds really simple and stupid like i'm not right. trying to overthink it if from a slice perspective if i was a shop owner what kind mm. of video would i want to see i'd probably want to see something about how you're going to make me more money i'd probably want to see a video about explaining it i'd probably want to see a video that simply explains how your technology works and how little work it is for me and if i was a consumer i'd probably want to see entertaining funny creative videos like there's literally nothing like that or like pictures of pizza. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think there's a lot other things. So like, let me go big. Let me have these crazy ideas. Maybe I want to see some shop owner stories. I think there mm -hmm. are a lot of um, really yeah. interesting stories. I think there's like a humans of New York kind of element yeah. to what we do. I think you've got a lot of, um, and I think I know for a fact, a lot of shop owners like have that American dream story where they were immigrants, came over, started a business. And like, they love what they do and they've worked, you know, however many days in a row or, you know, however many years, like those are really interesting and inspiring stories. Um, and I think there's like a lot of these that you could do. Right. I, I absolutely love that. I do have like a couple of uh, follow-ups, but let me actually acknowledge you. Yeah. I think there is something beautiful about pizza that, mm -hmm. that has that American dream 
uh, stamp on it and there is this underdog mentality i would say i'm not talking about the the big guns like dominos and yeah, yeah. i'm talking uh-huh. about like really local shops because i don't know not not many people know this when i came to the us i was i worked at a, at my university cafeteria and where i used to deliver pizzas across the mm. campus like i used oh, to literally nice. like, you know, circle yeah so yeah. that's one number two i literally worked at a local pizzeria you know in houston and mm-hmm. i know like how hungry the owner was you know even till today i believe you know he was still like you know passionate he was like he wants to make sure that the, the customers are having the pizza delivered on time and he makes sure yeah. that we feel comfortable we give the all the resources like the, you know what not and that to me is like the driving force i i would highly highly recommend you should do like just like how you said pizza you know humans of pizza whatever or pizza underdogs that can be a mm-hmm. thing that can be a show 15 minutes yeah. how where did you start where are you right now and there is other thing i think there is also like a family angle to mm-hmm. these yeah. areas it's it's your brother works there your cousin works there your kid works exactly. there exactly 100% you 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 give you give you inherit from your father you inherit from your grandfather there is that like long like you know long game concept as well so there is a lot of you know meta in in these areas yeah uh, couple of questions so one is you seem to be like someone who executes scrappily like you don't need like a perfect solution or a well baked you know yeah. content product right uh where did that philosophy came from like execute quickly fast mm-hmm. learn and what not uh it likely came so you mentioned this at the beginning of our conversation uh i started a social media marketing firm i don't even remember when 2010 mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. uh and it was me and two other people and i think it came from them it was like again not knowing any better just going i need clients i know how to make content i know how to buy ads let me just like do whatever i think's best in a given time and i didn't have you know i i literally just had to go from like business to business and you know mm-hmm. word of mouth and do that and so it was again it was this idea of like not knowing any better like i didn't have a budget i didn't raise any money to do it the only money i had to reinvest in the company was the money i was making mm. and so i think it just all comes from that like i i think that there are a lot of interesting ways that you can move the needle with marketing that don't cost any money and in fact i think those are the things that you actually need to do first uh a, a good example i i use this example often or use this person often or reference often is uh roy southerland he has a really oh, yeah. good Yeah, um, legend legend yeah. he's a legend and uh the book's called, i think it's just called alchemy yeah uh, alchemy yeah yeah absolutely read that book it's a, you could read it in a weekend you probably read it in like an evening uh but it's so good because it's this concept of like marketing has this ability to turn lead into gold and it's mm-hmm. literally like by the way that you describe something by the way that you photograph something by the way that someone interprets your message you can take mm-hmm. something that they was they were completely uninterested in and turn it into something that they need to have and that's currently what i'm trying to do at slice and what we're working on is like how do i get shops to understand what we do really succinctly really simply and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden make them realize i would be stupid if i didn't have this mm-hmm. now there's a lot of things that have to happen before like i we have, like you have to believe in the product and i do believe in the product that does make it a no brainer for shops to use mm-hmm. um but i look at it as my job is to describe it in such mm-hmm. a way that it's easy to use and describe it and the criteria i use is all right so we pitched a shop owner and let's say we even gave him the full pitch if they're you know like we said it's a family affair so he or she goes well i got to talk to my brother um and then before i make a decision they call the brother what are they going to say to that mm-hmm. family member after our pitch how will they describe us after we've described ourselves and if we are not giving them something really easy to grab onto to hold on to that they can remember that they can then share to someone else then i think we're missing that alchemy magic like mm-hmm. i you know it's this idea that that some of the best companies of the past decade i think were really easy to comprehend so it's like mm-hmm. uber cool i got like a taxi in my pocket yeah. airbnb i can find an extra room or a house in a city that i want to go to and i don't have to go to a, a hotel that's what i think it has to be for most brands that want to scale really quickly and so we're figuring out what that is and so like that doesn't cost anything it costs sweat it costs thinking about it it costs trial and error it costs it, it costs 
coming up with 10 different ways to describe the company and figuring out which one feels right. It costs right. talking to the founder and the CEO who's got like a really strong vision and understands the company more intimately than anyone else and figuring right. out like, how do you think about this? How, many, how do I take what's in your head and get it on paper so that shops can um, you know, easily understand, digest, and share that same information? And so it's only once I've done that that then mm. I even want a budget to then get it in front of a lot of people. Again, it goes mm. back to that like bait, you know, like do I have the right bait? Yep, yep, like if yep, I don't have the right bait. way to describe it, why am I going fishing anyways? I'm I, like, there's going to be such a leaky bucket. It'd be mm. like, I, I, I could go fish with like some really crappy bait and I'm right. going to get some kind of crappy fish. Or mm. if I get the really, really good bait and I've spent time and I figured out a value, perhaps I figured out the right way to describe our company. I'm now going to get shops that are going to be bought into what we're doing are going to be more invested in working mm. closely together and are going to mm. have success with the platform. Like they need to be bought in a little bit too. And how you describe it matters. Mm. I love the, the, the being simple philosophy, simplify, simplify, simplify in a way that it, 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 you're basically imprinting your brand's identity, the, what you do in people's mind very quickly. I love that. Uh, Another question I feel, which is going back to your previous answer, you said you wanted to do something, especially content creation, where you feel like it is something I want to consume, right? It's mm -hmm. for me. I'm doing this for myself to excite myself, test my curiosity and whatnot. I do the same and 90% it succeeds because mm -hmm. you, have that, you have that conviction and the gut being right. Yeah. What about the, the other person? What about the 10% you fail miserably that, oh my God, this didn't work well. This content uh, piece. Whatever. So what do you, what, how do you handle, how do you handle the other 10%? What do you, what do you learn? How do you pivot? How do you move quickly? The, what, here's what I tell my team when we have, um, you know, marketing campaign or anything. Um, I don't care if this is successful or not. Like mm -hmm. I obviously, I want it to be successful. What I care about is if it was unsuccessful and we didn't learn anything. So like mm. you, I can have the failures. I don't care. Like it just comes with the territory. It's like, obviously I want to hit a bunch of home runs. I like that would be the dream, but I'm also realistic and knowing that like not every piece of content, not every marketing campaign is going to be successful. Mm. And so if we do something that isn't successful and we leave with going, well, I don't really know why that worked, but we're on to the next thing. That is unacceptable to me. Right. But if we go, hey, we did this thing, and you know what? I think it didn't work, and it was a combination of these three reasons. So mm. we've got to now decide, do we try this again, and we change those three things? Or do we just say, even if we change those three things, like we got enough uh, uh, signal that it's not going to work anyway, so let's scrap it. Like That's where I want to be with failure. So mm. you can't get bummed out by something not working. Like I, I especially like Social media is a great example. There's so many <laughs> tweets I write where I'm like, this is going to be a banger. People are going to love it. It's going right. to get 100,000 people see it easy. And then it completely flops. And then right. there'll be something, I'll just like kind of a random thought I'll have throughout the day off the cuff that I post and it does crazy numbers. Mm. Um, I, like that's the stuff you can't predict. That's why too, with this pizza influencer role, it's an idea game. I need mm. you to come up with a lot of ideas. Like social media is this insatiable beast that even if we do it once, that is not enough. I need like hit after hit after hit after hit. And that means there's going to be a lot of strikeouts and I'm okay mm. with the strikeouts. We just like, what I don't want to do is like strike out four times in a row because we didn't like change our stance. Or we didn't change our grip or we didn't like mm. pay attention to what the pitcher was doing. Uh, so that's how I think I, I just rejection failure. It just is a part of life. Life's a lot easier when you realize that like, that's just what happens. And then yep. if you can just turn it into, I don't want to say a positive, but you can turn it into something that you can improve upon the next time. Like that's how you succeed. I love the, I love, I love the, the authentic, you know, take on, on things we do. I feel the other thing is expectation setting for your team as well mm -hmm. as yourself like okay this is just an experiment it's not like a sure shot yeah that yeah nothing is a, a sure shot yeah not not all of this is a big risk so let's try to take like as many like to me it's you want as many swings at the plate as possible like that's how you succeed so if i only give someone one swing at the plate 
I don't think that I'm setting them up for success. I want to give them 10 swings, a hundred swings. And like, I only need them to hit a few home runs. So like that to me is my job as a manager or my job as a department leader is like, how do I get as many opportunities as possible for us to be successful, especially in something like organic social media where Hmm. one post or like one thing can have outsized returns. Like Hmm. there's literally like we could do a post tomorrow that Hmm. goes completely viral and all of a sudden everyone in the United States knows who we are. Like that (laughs) is the ceiling of it. And like that is a really high ceiling where I can't buy ad campaigns. I could do that short of a Super Bowl ad. And even then half the people aren't going to pay attention to the Super Bowl ad. Um, So I think there's a really, you know, interesting way to think about that kind of, uh, um, you know, risk to reward when it comes to organic content creation. I love that. Uh, one of the things I also want to touch upon is you do things in a very public way, like in a very public setting. There is no secrecy. It's all transparent. Uh, one of the things I learned from you, this is like 2021, uh, if not 2020, is when you did the the fast social strategy, like really, really revealing it, hey, this is what we're going to do and you did it. <laughs> so what do you think about marketers being public? Uh, these days, some of them are, some, some of the startups are very stealth mm-hmm. and they're still building, they're like, you know, in a very early stage, but they want that user exposure. Yeah. Uh, what do you, what is, what is your message to them who can be public, but you have to like, you know, get yeah. that well, creative energy going? I can tell you what I learned about doing it from the fast side. So <laughs> fast was a marketplace as well. B to B to C. Right. We were a payment processor. We needed people who were buying stuff to click our payment button as opposed to any of the other options. But before then we needed a business to put our button on the website. Mm-hmm. My job when I started was the consumer side. My job was to get people really excited, want to buy stuff, use the fast button. Mm -hmm. And what I learned was we went a little too fast on the consumer side. So what happened was we got people really excited about the brand. We got people really excited to use the product, but Mm -hmm. we weren't on enough websites yet. Mm -hmm. So to like extrapolate that to a lesson that's maybe a little more applicable is you've kind of got to make sure that you've got the MVP and like... An MVP can be different depending on, you know, what industry you're in or what product you're creating. Mm. Uh, But to me, it's like a a very similar idea again is, do I want to do a really big consumer ad campaign for Slice Mm. in a city that I don't have a lot of penetration for? It's like, no, I'm I'm getting people excited for something that they can't really use. If there are no pizzerias within Slice, what would you do with hungry, you know? people right like yeah, yeah that makes- I, I would I, I would say that i have, uh i have my time is better used else places hmm. and that there are plenty of markets where we do have enough penetration and i need to focus on there and right. in the markets where we don't have enough penetration my job is a b2b marketer like it's mm-hmm. just i am trying to get shops to understand what we do and to onboard onto a platform and then once i get a certain threshold of really you know um, uh, well-known shops or enough, uh, you know, kind of shops that people love on the platform, then I can go after the consumer. But I, I, the mistake I made was doing it in reverse in the past. Right. Um, and I just, you know, you, you're kind of like, look at all the, all the love that we got and all the people that want to buy our stuff. Mm. And then it turned out they're like, cool, I want to go buy something. Where can I use it? And it's like, well, we've got this like candle maker you've never heard of, or I've mm. got this like other thing. And it's like, I don't really want to spend like $50 to test out this. I want to, you know, I want to use it on Nike.com or something. I want to use it on a brand I already know. Uh, And so that was a lesson for me. And that's what's really funny is like we got really popular for um, selling cheap hoodies. And a part of that was because we didn't have anywhere else to send them. That was like as interesting or was that like, we didn't even have like another hoodie maker. So we couldn't even just send it to like blank. So it was, uh, we were getting users to like kind of dog food our product and we could see what was breaking and what wasn't breaking. And we could get like that, you know, we essentially had brand affinity really high, but we couldn't transition that brand affinity and that brand enthusiasm to other customers. And the sad part, the real tragic part is uh, there's an alternate universe where fast maybe works out. Um, I'm mm-hmm. actually less bullish on one-click payment processing in general. I think Apple and Amazon and ShopPay and stuff have probably done a good enough yeah. job. But 
as we ran out of money, we were just onboarding those really, really big brands. Mm. And so like that was really exciting. Like we had deals, we were like had just gone live on a on a brand and um and so like we could like we were just so close to transitioning that enthusiasm to websites and brands that they wanted to buy. Right. Um, but we were I don't know, probably what two years too fast, or maybe mm. eighteen months too too fast to like kind of ring that consumer bell because that, that is something too is like if you ring that you can only ring it so many times you know right. i can't right. keep getting people excited about our brand when they don't have anywhere to use it or anywhere yeah. to like interact with it other i think than, the the hype should meet the substance if yeah, there is uh-huh. no substance you know the hype would like you know fade away yeah. it will vaporize immediately right yeah uh, it, it was we kept getting accused of like our marketing being too good and I think that was like too complimentary to me and too much of a disservice to our product team. Mm-hmm. The marketing didn't match where the product was. Yeah. And like, that was the biggest lesson to me is like your marketing has to be as like keep pace with where the product is or where distribution is. And, um, and that, and we didn't do that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Love that lesson. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. And I want to talk about Matthew as a dad. How are you enjoying being a dad? What do you do? Like, you know, what's your favorite pastime with your kid? Uh, what is something that, you know, you're teaching him on a, on a, on a, on a personal level? Uh, I, so I love it. I'm totally bought in. Um, I, you know, I, I know that there's some people that kind of mourn their, you know, non-child life. I, I don't. Um, <laughs> I, uh, he's still pretty young, so you know he talks, but he's not saying sentences or anything. So he's he's not even two yet. Um, right. But he, you know, he says to me outside, and so I come, you know, I, I try to pick him up from daycare every day, and I pick him up, and he's in the car, and he's wanting to listen to Old McDonald, and he's dying to go outside, and he just says outside, 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 and so we go outside, <laughs> and I think he likes going outside because he likes seeing airplanes, and right. he doesn't call airplanes airplanes, he calls them deltas. So if anyone oh, wow. from Delta is listening. You've got an Atlanta toddler influencer. He's dying to do some work. He's going to go on uh, an airplane this Christmas. So I'm excited right. to get him on there. But we've literally gone. There's an, I don't know if you know this. There's, an air, there's a, a private airport in mm-hmm. uh, Atlanta that mm-hmm. has a restaurant up to it. Oh, so you can wow. go eat dinner, have drinks and stuff. And you can see all the private jets come in and take off and stuff. And we took nice. him there and he just he had a blast. And so every other word, Delta, Delta. I so my favorite thing at this age is being outside with them. And watching him like just get excited as deltas go over his head. <laughs> Talk to me about your work-life balance. How do you, you know, what are the things that keep you away from anxiety, stress, and what are the things that keep you like really like, you know? Uh, I think Naval tweeted about this. You know, if you want to get into flow, either you have to create, play, meditate, and exercise, or something like that, right? What yeah. do you, what do you do like to keep you sane? uh the things that habits and whatnot uh so i'll I'll talk a little bit about my work life balance i i don't know that this is unique i and like i i feel like i'm predisposed for this type of work Mm. or this type of schedule that is give me you know i pick up my kid at 4 30 let Mm -hmm. me pick up my kid at 4 30 takes a half hour go there Mm -hmm. bring him back home and uh, maybe I hang out with them for another half hour. And then let me like log back in. If I've got more work to do, let me come mm. back in at six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever. Mm. Um, so the flexibility of like, I don't have to be in front of my computer from nine until five. I have a certain amount of work that I want to get done each day or sure. each week or each month or each quarter. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what it is. Um, a good example is I met, I worked like a couple hours on Sunday and I didn't mind it. Like that was... I knew it was a trade-off I was making earlier in the week. Right. Uh, and that stuff actually like gets me like that, that actually keeps my work life, life balance good. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not the person who needs to unplug for two days mm-hmm. and not come back in. Mm-hmm. I'm the type of person who likes to check our Twitter handle and likes to see what we're doing on Instagram and likes to like, make sure that if anyone slacked me that I don't have a bunch of slack or emails mm-hmm. waiting for me on Monday morning, mm-hmm. that like unplugging, Mm. when I know I'm not disconnecting for a long time from the business, that's the stuff that actually stresses me out more. I mm. don't like that. Mm. I'd rather like do a podcast interview at one in the afternoon or two in the afternoon. I'll come back to a bunch of slacks, I'm sure. Right. Uh, and deal with that as opposed to like, we would have to do this on a Saturday. Otherwise like right. that. Right. Um, 
that doesn't do it for me. But in terms of like what I do to stay sane, it really is. It's it's being outside with the kid. We go mm. on a lot of walks. It sounds dumb. Like nice. if you are feeling in a oh, rut, not if at you're working and you're like, I can't do this. Like you just go outside, man. Go for yeah. a walk. Um, I try to jog every morning. Nice. Um, you know, I, I I used to do like sports and and more. You know, like. Uh, more physical fitness kind you know, like take like boutique classes and, you know, solid core and orange theory and all that stuff. But now it's like, I got time for a 45 minute run and I can come in and lucky enough, we're all in, um, you know, zoom world. So no one knows that I stink if I just throw on a hat after a jog, Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's stuff. it's like you keeping your body in motion, getting outside, taking a walk. Hopefully if you can take a walk without your phone, even better. Mm. Um, it's just kind of like letting your mind wander a little sure. bit. Uh, I, I end up finding that my, like the stuff at work, I have the biggest breakthroughs at work mm -hmm. when I'm like not actually working, you mm -hmm. know, it is when I'm out that walk at 8am or something, or it is like, when I'm kind of like unwinding for the day, it's like, that's an interesting way to describe our company, or this is an interesting idea. And I try to jot it down really quick, right. but like, I don't want, uh, like, so it's funny to me when people say work-life balance, I don't exactly know what they mean. Cause mm. it's like. It's all my life. It's all, like, I don't have like a kid life balance. If, if I got a call today, like just right now that right. I had to go pick them up, I'd drop everything. I'd be like, this is yeah. like, it's just this part of my life. My career is part of my life. My relationship is part of my life. And so it's all kind of just happening at the same time. And I carve out time to do deep work, right. but I'm not carving out nine hours right. to do deep work. I've got like different things that I focus on for, you know, 30, 60, 90, 120 minutes at a time. And that's right. about the max. Yeah. Basically, I think uh, what you're saying is there is you basically I have to blend all things. If you started, even I'm realizing that like lately, when you know I have a two-year-old toddler too. You basically have to mix up. If you kind of separate, that's where you kind of also like have different expectations. Uh, it's good for certain times, but I think, you know, there is like, there is no right or wrong answer here. Everybody has their own yeah. thing. And like to your point, being yourself in nature is the, is the simplest, the most free thing that you can do to have like a sane life, right? Like, you know, just yeah. for going for a walk itself. Uh, one, one, of, one of the biggest criteria. So I bought a house a little over a year ago, hmm. um, or I should say I moved. One of the criteria is like, I need, it needs to be a walkable neighborhood. Like mm -hmm. I need to be able to like either walk to the downtown area to walk to a coffee shop or just walk around. And so just because I understand like how important that is to mm -hmm. like my mental well-being is not something, you know, I, I don't think I go crazy without it. But it was like my life is dramatically better when mm -hmm. I'm able to incorporate that into my life. Yeah, I love that. So in 2020, uh, this is one of my favorite tweets of yours. You tweeted about. Twitter is a lighthouse for like-minded people and you preached about it. And I think it, it, res it hit me so hard that I started like, you know, living it. And once I started living it, I saw the results, right? Like you be the soundboard, you be the, in your words, like lighthouse. Do you think X is still the same way or what changed and where should be people like, mm -hmm. you know, focus on in this, in this age, like 2023? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a good question. It, it definitely feels different. Mm. The, you know, Twitter right now does not feel like Twitter three years ago. Right. Uh, but with that said, I still think, I, I think it's just like, I mean, I mean, this is a compliment. It is like a cockroach company that will just refuse to die. It can survive a <laughs> nuclear explosion right. and it's still going to be around because like the people mm. that have like really interesting things to say, like they want an outlet form and they're, for saying those things and there's like this is the spot for it so i still you know like maybe you lose some people maybe you lose 10 percent or even 20 percent, right. but there's no other collection of that so i still think this is the space that you go to mm. to share your thoughts to share who you are to share what you're interested in mm. uh, and you end up attracting that kind of back to you if you do so in a thoughtful way so mm. it's slightly different but i think the essence of that is still there so mm. i i don't know of a better place to do it um, than Twitter. I, I don't even have a good second place that jumps to mind. Mm -hmm. I will be that person who is, you know, going to this cockroach company 30 years from now, 40 years from now <laughs> to get my news and to interact with people because right. um, it, it's just where people share it. It's, it's got enough right. momentum that I, I don't think anyone else stands a chance, really. 
I think it's really about, I think you tweeted this about a long time too. It's about like picking who you follow, clearing your feed and, you know, interacting with people like you look up to. I think if you do that mm-hmm. in a consistent way, you have a better Twitter, which I think it's debatable. Many people don't have that time and patience to curate their their whole yep. thing and they just like complain, right? So uh, yep. one more question. Well, it ends up being like what you want to get out of Twitter. Do you want to like have interesting conversations with interesting people? Mm. Then it's going to, you're, you're going to take the time to like figure out who those right. people are and go talk to them. If that's not what you want on a Twitter, that's fine. Right. You can watch it for sports highlights or breaking news or whatever it is. Right. Um, and that's going to take a different amount of effort. Right. So, you know, it's, it's anything worth having kind of takes time to, right. Yeah, to manifest kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I know we're on time, but I do have one more question. I have like some other questions I didn't ask. I wish we should bring back to you. I, I talk a lot, so that's my mistake. No, 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 no. This is gold content. I love the the fish analogy, the bait. That's that's all pure gold. Probably like we should do like a part two sometime, like you know, in the in the next end of this year. One question, which I think, a couple of questions. Sorry, one thing. Talk to me, but you, you're a big believer in the serendipity on the internet. You know, uh, you've created opportunities for yourself. You've created opportunities for others. Uh, you've collaborated with people like Jack Butcher, David Burrell, like, you know, a lot many others by being in that mindset. Uh, talk to me about it uh, in a way that the current generation, the Twitter folks who are using Twitter, they're like, they're not using that mindset a lot. These days, yeah. it's all about transactional, I need, hey, this is the ask or I can do something for you and all that. So talk to me about like, you know, the serendipity, uh, how much of that impacted in your personal life? Your your life is, your career is not linear at all. And I think it's due to the serendipity, right? Uh, talk to me about yeah. that. I, I think I've got this job because of serendipity. I think I'm currently living the life I am right now because of serendipity. Uh, this is someone else's metaphor. I forget whose it is. So if you know it or if a listener knows it, please you know tweet me and tell me who it is. Um, but really, your goal in life is to make your like luck or serendipity umbrella as big as possible. Mm. And you do that by having genuine interactions with people. You do that by... Um, you know, giving without any transactional kind of um, approach to it when you do it, what happens is you get this umbrella that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. And what you're hoping for is that one of those luck or serendipity raindrops hits your umbrella. Mm. And if you have a really, really small umbrella, Mm. probably not going to get hit by one of those like infrequent raindrops. But if you have a really, really big umbrella, the chances of those raindrops hitting your umbrella increase. And now I think there's some people in life who are born with really, really big umbrellas Mm. and they make them bigger. And there's some people who are born with really, really small umbrellas next to a nothing umbrella and they can work to make it bigger. Um, I think the size of how big you can make your umbrella, um, you know, I shouldn't say, I think the size of it that you can eventually get to is uncapped. I think we all start from a different size at the beginning. Um, But that's how I look at it. Like I... I'll go back to like the reason I'm working at Slice now or part of it was because of a conversation I had with the founder mm. probably four years ago. Wow. One conversation. That was it. That's and awesome. Neither of us were trying to like get anything out of it. I think we were seeing if we could work together at like, or like our companies, like I think there was, you know, I think I was at Fast at the time and seeing if there's anything that made sense. And we talked right. and nothing really made sense, but we kept in touch. I think we started following each other on Twitter and fast forward, you know, three or four years amazing. later and here we are. And like, I never went in that with an objective. I never went in that with like, what's in it for me. It was like, oh, this is a cool guy building a cool company. Let's talk and meet and see if it makes sense for us to do anything together. And if it doesn't, I had a cool conversation with a cool guy. I love that. Um, you, do, you know, you know, like there's so many things that you could be doing, especially if you're young. Mm. Oh my God. If you're like 20 and having conversations now, you could be doing stuff yeah. that maybe pays off in 15 years. Well, you don't know that like... The timeline to use this umbrella metaphor, you don't know when it's going to rain again. And all of a sudden, yeah. maybe it, start, it, might rain, it might start raining again. And you're, you're capturing all the serendipity that you created right. 15 years ago. Right. Uh, so, and, and I've, I honestly, I probably have hundreds, honestly, maybe even thousands of people where I've had, you know, where it could come back. You know, who knows what's going to happen in five years or 10 years from now where it could come back again. Incredible. Um, because I was purposely trying to do it. Uh, one of the things I used to do was, if I met you on Twitter or saw your handle uh, and I thought you were interesting, I would just invite you to the New York Stock Exchange. Mm-hmm. I'd say, hey, come watch a closing bell. 
there's a bar right across the street. If you want to get a drink after, happy to buy you a beer. Right. Um, but yeah, I just want to meet and hang out. And I think I like a hundred out of a hundred. I think like ever like I sh like ever that was a really good offer that no one ever refused. Yeah, of course. Uh, what's funny though is my coworkers would make fun of me. They would like joke that I was going on this like weird anonymous date and like, who am I meeting today and stuff. And mm. it was like, sure, I, I don't care. You can make fun of me. like, you can join me if you want. Like, right. I just I'm trying to meet some interesting people and I'm living in a really cool city to meet interesting people. So okay. I'm going to take advantage of it. I love that. Uh, yeah, I can, we can both talk about ours because even you and me, we met through Twitter purely mm -hmm. through Serendipity. I found you, your tweets were interesting. I interacted and I think I DM'd you like 2020 and you were like, dude, this is so cool. You know, let's connect. And I, I, I think that's the like-minded people network we, we have to choose on Twitter. Yep. Last question. I ask this every guest, what is an ambitious goal Matthew is chasing? Oh, I want Slice to go public. Mm. I love that. I want, I, I want to go back to the New York Stock Exchange. Part of what I used to do was I would pitch companies to listen on our exchange over our competitors. Hmm. I want to be on the other side of that table. Now, I understand. They've been a company for a long time. I have not been any part of getting it to where they are, and I would be only a small part to getting it public. But I'm hoping that they think I know enough about negotiating the deal mm -hmm. to list on one exchange over the other because I have intimate knowledge that they would at least include me on one phone call or when they go <laughs> tour. Uh, but I very much want to be um, you know, getting pitched by the New York Stock Exchange to take love Slice it. public there. I love that. Yeah, rooting for, rooting for Slice. And I seem like, you know, you guys are doing something authentic. Uh, whenever people are authentic, I kind of like crave for, you know, uh, supporting them and encouraging them and doing everything that my, in my capacity. But Matthew, this has been a blast. My God, so many analogies, so many metaphors, so many like gems that you've dropped. Appreciate you for your time. Any, any closing thoughts before we wrap up? No, uh, I appreciate the time. And my only ask is Slice uh, helps independent local pizza shops. These are your mom and pop shops. These are immigrants who came over here to like because they wanted a better life and they created something. Uh, we do not take predatory fees when you order through us. Um, it really helps them thrive. So if you have a local pizza shop in your area, download the app, order from the app. And if they're not on the app, go there and tell them to get on the app. And I'll honestly even pay you like 500 bucks if you get them on the app. So awesome. find me on Twitter. This is not a joke. I will pay you money if you get your favorite shops I to use that. Slice. I love um, that. It's just a really powerful tool to like make sure that these local shops thrive yeah, and um, sure. are taken advantage of. Yeah, I love that. I love that mission. And, you know, folks, you, you know what to do next. Go do it and support your local businesses. It's always like good to have more people, you know, thriving uh, in this economy. Matthew, thank you so much. I appreciate all the listeners for tuning in. This has been a blast and stay tuned. We have some awesome guests like Matthew coming on the show and like doing everything, sharing with us and the knowledge and uh, the wisdom. So stay tuned and cheers. Bye.